This is the History of the World podcast with me, Chris Hasler. And this is the History of the World podcast, unscripted. once again and welcome to another unscripted episode of the History of the World podcast and the plan is that this is the last unscripted episode before the start of volume three which has been eagerly anticipated by many of you. You've been looking forward to the start of volume three and it's been great to read that so thank you to everyone that's written in and told me how much you're looking forward to the new volume. Um, I didn't know really what to do this week, I must be honest, and that might be part of the reason why the podcast is slightly late, because I just really didn't know what to do. I felt I'd done everything that I wanted to do during this unscripted period, and um, I've been sitting here scratching my head, wondering what to do. What I thought might be sensible was just to take a quick overview of the period leading into... Uh, the period that will be volume three. So around about 700 BCE onwards will be the the period of history tackled by volume three. The period before that is somewhat interesting because we've got this sort of resetting of society that happened in the wake of the late Bronze Age collapse. So if you imagine the late Bronze Age collapse occurred around about 1200 BCE. What really happened during this period in between? It was sort of a bit of a dark age, but it's also the emergence of the Iron Age, the first emergence of the Iron Age. And we have to be careful when we talk about the Iron Age because the Iron Age emerged at different times in different parts of the world. But traditionally, historians will sort of flag this period after the late Bronze Age collapse as the emergence of the Iron Age, certainly in the Near East. Um, if we, if we, I, ha- I hasten to add the point, if we look at Northern Europe, for example, we can see that the Iron Age occurred a lot later as a practical age of their history, of their specific history. So let's have a quick look at the period of time between the late Bronze Age collapse and the emergence of what we are describing as the classical world. So the late Bronze Age collapse occurred. We won't go too much into detail about the late Bronze Age collapse because we did talk about it at length during Volume 2. So we see the disappearance of the Hittites, we see the disappearance of Mycenaean Greece, we see the curbing of the Egyptian Empire and the Assyrian Empire, we see ultimately the disappearance of the Kassite Babylonians. So it's a time of great transition, and as such it became a bit of a dark age. We find that we haven't got as much in the way of written artefacts of uh, relating to this period. Uh, certainly not ones that we can have complete confidence in. And this is significant in terms of setting up the next era of history. I think this period of history can be illustrated extremely well if we look at the fortunes of Greece. So if we go back into volume two, 
we told a really beautiful story about the period of history uh, regarding the Minoans and their great palace building culture uh, built on um, being a centre of trade at places like Knossos. Then we talked about the transitional period and potentially the eruption of Thera causing a balance of power to shift over to those more warrior-like cultures of mainland Greece, the Mycenaeans. The Minoans obviously did survive, but they were much in the shadow of the Mycenaeans um, towards the later part of the Bronze Age. But then also, after the late Bronze Age collapse, we see the disappearance of all of that. And we go into a Dark Age, where we really don't know a great deal about the history of the area during that period because we just don't have a lot of written artefacts and we don't have a lot of evidence to tell us what on earth was going on in Greece after the late Bronze Age collapse. Now this in turn makes this period of history extremely interesting because people want to know uh, the origins of the city-states of Greece. And when I talk of the city-states, I mean those states such as Athens and Sparta, which will come to great prominence, certainly with the emergence of the Olympic Games, with this uh, with this desire to compete with each other. And uh, obviously they stick together in the face of foreign invasion as well. It's a very fascinating period of history, ancient Greece. But how it all emerged is also a mystery and the mystery is heightened by the fact that we have all of these mysterious writings relating to this period of history such as Homer's works, the Iliad and the Odyssey telling us about the Trojan War and the aftermath of it and uh, this excites our interest in the pantheon of Greek gods which are fiercely mentioned in these works so we have to pick apart what we feel is anything to do with the truth and anything to do with um, mythology of that area of ancient Greece. And that will lead us into the crucial period of the 8th century BCE, which uh, is when we start seeing uh, activity that we can really sort of have confidence in uh, reporting on, if that makes sense. And it's this kind of mythological storytelling which is also lends itself to this period of Israel's history whereby we really have uh, written histories that point much more towards a mythological style of history reporting as opposed to something that's like concrete. And we have to refer to works such as the Bible for our, um, for our knowledge of the Levantine history during this period so the emergence of the kingdom of Israel obviously the stories of Solomon and David the kings of Israel uh, the building of Solomon's temple there's no doubt that um, things like this were going on you know there was activity and significant activity in the region of Israel but how much historians believe one way or the other in all of the intricate details that are reported such as this establishment of the United Kingdom of Israel and uh, the Israelite wars against the uh, Philistines that kind of thing you know that it's always fiercely debated in the same way that the history of Greece during this period is fiercely debated it's a mysterious age of uh, of contentious historic reporting
when we look at Levantine lands, we also look at this period of Phoenician history as well. So if we go further north than Israel, the period of history regarding the Phoenicians, very interesting indeed. And, and often we get um, Greek reports of what was going on in this area and um, the Greek writings are very interesting because as much as we question the mythological aspects of the writings relating to this period, there does seem to be a lot of truth to the writing so it's not all you know for us to or for anyone to say it's all made up um i think is slightly dismissive of what we have discovered that can somewhat backs it up so it's the same as the biblical writings you know we we look at other countries written histories and it does tend to tie together somewhat that the phoenicians would have been trading at this point and they would have been a rival to the emerging Greek states in terms of maritime dominance of the Mediterranean trade routes and also the establishment of Carthage um, which takes place towards the end of the 9th century BCE so it's there's definitely significant activity going on and um, we know that the establishment of Carthage happened at a particular time during this dark age of history. Now when we refer to this period as being the emergence of the Iron Age, there's a, there's a bit of irony to that in actual fact when we look at the disappearance of the Hittite Empire right at the start of this period. It, um, it's strange that the Hittites were actually the first society before this to really be accredited with the use of iron um, in, like on a large scale so their military activity required iron much before this period and um, probably the most famous empire that used iron during this during the Iron Age period were the Assyrians and this is quite an important part of our transition from volume 2 to volume 3 so certainly next week when we look at the Achaemenids we'll be looking at that period of history that links the fall of the Assyrian Empire to the emergence of Cyrus the Great's Achaemenid Empire. So this is quite crucial in terms of reporting this transition from what we traditionally look at as the Near East Iron Age into this period of classical Persia. So that's quite a fundamental part of next week's first podcast of Volume 3. I think one of the strangest things about the transition into Volume 3 for me will be discussing Egypt. So where Egypt was probably one of the most prominent, if not the most prominent area of discussion for Volume 2, for Volume 3 it now becomes a secondary, um, a secondary sort of territory for those other empires. So it will become... Um, a vassal state of Persia and a vassal state of the Roman Empire and that is, for me is quite fascinating the fact that we had this dominant power from before now becomes a subject state to those other powers elsewhere so when we talk of Egypt now it will be talking of it as part of other, um, other greater powers so that will be interesting this period of Egyptian history, we really talk about, um, when I refer to the Iron Age specifically, we talk about other African 
um, entities being involved in Egyptian history. So this is before Cyrus the Great's Persians, uh, which in turn is also before the Ptolemaic period of Egypt where Alexander the Great's Macedonians sort of subjugated it and then ended up turning it into the Ptolemaic Kingdom. Um, during this Iron Age period, we see uh, the Libyans, the ancient Libyans, and we see the Kushites, this major power to the south um, in the Upper Nile, um, really becoming quite integral to Egyptian history. We did explore that somewhat in Volume 2, but now we pick up Volume 3. We talk about Egypt as a secondary entity. And then one of the big subjects, of course, of any volume, but certainly featured heavily in Volume 3, of course, will be China. And we look at this period again, this period between sort of 1200 and 700 BCE, as yet another transitional period, another mysterious period in the history of China. So where we talked quite uh, vigorously about the Shang Dynasty in Volume 2, we saw it overthrown not far into this period, sort of in the 11th century BCE. And then we talked of the Zhou Dynasty and... We really don't know enough about this period of history. And then around about sort of in the 8th century, the Zhou dynasty sort of fragmented. So we had a, a definite period of Chinese history that relates to this Iron Age period that we're referring to. Uh, it's not necessarily the, the Iron Age in China, as we would describe it as in the Near East. But we also need to set up the start of a new era of Chinese history when we come to talk about this period of China in Volume 3. So we're sort of going into another period of Chinese history where the, the, the Zhou dynasty fragments and they start, you know, they start warring against each other, probably not unlike ancient Greece. So I'm going to leave you with this thought in regards to this period of history from 1200 BCE to 700 BCE. It's really... What I think what is most interesting for me is it's really a time where those historians that have written about this period were able to really dig deep into their imaginations and tell some fantastic stories about what happened during this period that and, and they've resonated down the years to us today where we still love to talk about these mythological theories and like Homer's Iliad um, in particular... Um, reporting about the Trojan War, it really does capture people's imaginations. And uh, I think I learned that when I was writing Volume 2. I felt like I had to do an episode on the Trojan War, and it wasn't part of the original plan. But I felt that there was a real interest in that subject, and I felt it would be quite dutiful to make an episode about it, even though the history of it all is quite contentious. We really don't have a lot of evidence for it other than the writings of Homer, this man who may never have even lived. Um, I think what sums this period up, I think, is if we look at probably what will be the most dominant... Um, the, the dominant feature of Volume 3, which will be the Romans and the Roman Republic and the Roman Empire. And if we look back to this period from their perspective, this was when, in their eyes, two young boys, two twin boys, were brought up by a wolf. 
And that was the origin of everything that happened afterwards for them. The origin of the Roman Republic and the Roman Empire. Do you believe that two twin boys brought up by a wolf was the start of that? And if you don't, does that point towards the fact that this period of history is open to fantastic suggestion? So that's my summary of the Iron Age. Next week, we'll get back to normal duties. We're going to be looking at the Achaemenid Empire, the very start. We'll, it'll actually be uh, quite a responsible episode, let's say. It will be an episode that really takes us by the hand from the fall of the Assyrian Empire and leads us nicely into understanding how Cyrus the Great became this fantastic dominant power, this dominant man over this this vast area of South West Asia. And uh, also this obviously touches upon more biblical stories and obviously the the uh, the Jewish exile. So all of that will be featured certainly in the first and second episodes of volume three which will be next week exciting stuff can't wait can't wait for the first episode of volume three which will be next week next weekend now i think i would just like to say in closing uh, a big thank you to all of you who have uh, continued to stick by and support and listen to the history of the world podcast Uh, I did obviously want to keep publishing unscripted episodes during this period and um, rather than go quiet for two months with sort of nothing going on at all so I felt that it was the right thing to do. I'm fortunate enough to be able to say that listener numbers have not diminished during this period. In fact, if anything, they've increased a little bit so it does appear that the popularity of the podcast continues to grow even when we're not even publishing proper episodes so I'm I'm incredibly proud of what we're achieving together here if you have sent a message in or, or a review and I haven't read it I'm always paranoid because there are so many places where I'm picking up messages now and reviews that I'm frightened now that I'm missing some like if I go back 12 months I'm sure I was capturing them all but now the podcast has grown so large that I really am sort of struggling to keep up to where it is where 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 it's published the amount of different um outlets that you can listen to the podcast is uh, is phenomenal really and uh, if you have sent a message or a review and I haven't read it out, I apologise. If you if you do give me a nudge, I will read it out. I'm, it's not that I don't want to read it out. Um, I will just refer to one message that I did receive this week uh, from a gentleman called Rick uh, Hailman. I hope I've pronounced your name correctly. Who's put thanks for doing this podcast. It's one of my favourites. I'm not a historian, but I find myself reading constantly online about early man and early man sites around the world. I know it's a lot of work, but please keep up the effort. I love it. Uh, Thanks, I'm in Utah. And that's from Rick. Well, thanks a lot, Rick. 
if nothing else, I think, you know, even if you don't read about the subjects in the podcast already, I would like to think that I've inspired maybe, you know, even if I've only inspired one person to read more about a particular aspect of history, then I suppose the, the fundamental ethos of this podcast is, uh, you know, it's doing its job, you know, and that that's really what I hope for. The podcast is a lot of work. I think the most important thing for me is that I continue to have fun doing it. And as long as I'm doing that, it will be a pleasure for me to create and publish. And hopefully if I if I keep that spirit up, then we'll get right through to the end of this project, hopefully over the course of the next few years. Until then, there is so much history to explore. It is quite exciting, the fact that we've only just sort of scratched the surface and we're 18 months in. So um, that is incredible, really. It means that this podcast is sort of almost limitless when we look at the stories that we can tell about history. Anyway, I've rambled on enough this week. That is plenty enough. And uh, that's it now for this unscripted, this hiatus in the podcast. Next week is a big week. It's a relaunch. It's the start of Volume 3. There'll be new branding, new music, and um, we'll be jumping right into a new volume just before Christmas. So until next week, keep yourselves well, and we'll look forward to the big launch next week. Thank you, and see you soon. The History of the World podcast is available on many different podcast platforms. So please don't forget to rate and review us wherever you find us. Visit our website at historyoftheworldpodcast.com and email us at historyoftheworldpodcast at mail.com. Support the podcast at Patreon by clicking the support the podcast link at our website and join us on social media at Facebook, Twitter and Tumblr.